My name is Gavin. If you're new, I'm one of the pastors, but I'm not preaching today. And uh, don't be disappointed. You should be very excited because uh, we have a, a great treat and a, and a blessing for the church family this morning. I'm going to bring up in just a second uh, a good friend of mine, but let me uh, set it up real quick. We are a part of a worldwide movement called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. It's a denomination that started in the late 1800s with a conviction that um, that the ends of the earth would hear about the good news of Christ. And so for the last hundred and some years, CMA, Christian Missionary Alliance, has been planting churches both locally and globally to the ends of the earth. And being tied into a greater church family um, just opens doors for relationships. And so uh, Kelvin Walker is on our national board of directors for the CMA, and I've gotten to know him over the last uh, three years or so. I speak in a conference at Okaboji, and he's led worship there and done a number of things. And over the last three, uh, three years, God has just knit our hearts together in a friendship and uh, he approached me this last summer, and uh, not only is he on the National Board of Directors, he's the lead pastor of a congregation uh, just north of New York City uh, in Bedford, uh, New York, and he said, hey, we're praying into church planting, and uh, you know, it's caught my attention what the Lord is doing in Omaha. Can I just come down and learn from you guys and be a part of your team? And I said, learn from us? Um, yeah, you've been doing ministry for 30 years. He's finishing up a doctorate at NIAC right now, where he's also an adjunct professor. He's a lead pastor of a terrific church. And so I said, if you come down and figure out what's going well, don't tell us because we'll mess it up. So you can come down uh, and just and look on. And I said, but you can't come unless uh, you just bless us and, and, and work with our staff team. And so he did some, some training with our staff team this week. And then I said, would you just share a word uh, from God uh, with our church, and uh, he said he would do that, and uh, God spoke last hour. So, Kelvin, it is our honor to have you. Thank you for coming. We love you. We're excited to hear from you. Why don't you welcome up Kelvin Walker, everybody. Good morning. It is good to be here. I am um, bring you greetings on behalf of the board directors of the Christian Missionary Alliance, and I also bring you greetings from our church, Bedford Community Church in Bedford Hills, New York. It, was, uh, it struck me last service that uh, we have two services, and it struck me last service that as we were worshiping together uh, here, uh, my congregation was beginning worship there. And though we are separated by distance, we are united by the love of Christ. And so it is good to be here, one heart, one mind, one spirit, and to be with you this morning. I'm not going to hold you long. I just want to give you uh, something that I sensed uh, uh, that was good for uh, this morning. Uh, I want to look at a familiar passage of Scripture, Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to be looking at verses 4 through 11. We want to look at this subject, when you feel like you're in God's doghouse. When you feel like you're in God's doghouse. Do you join me as we pray? Lord, we often think about um, asking you to bless our words, but this morning, God, as we come before you, uh, we pray that uh, as we speak, we have heard from heaven, and so that the words that go forth are your words for this time, this season, uh, these people, this congregation, uh, and I pray, Father, that uh, your anointing, which is already flowing, would we just step into what you're doing and follow your heart. And that you would move in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm a person in exile, abandoned, 
alone in a place that's not my home with no idea how I got here. But one thing is clear. I'm on a mission, and that mission is to escape this place. Supposedly this place is good, but I wish someone would just snap their fingers or clap their hands and and say a word that would do something to transport me to a land that flows with milk and honey. The promise of my blessing because I hate the fact that I'm here. I'm here. Here in a land with people that are not like me. Here in a place with people I don't like. Here for some reason or purpose I refuse to see because who cares about the outcome and what that outcome should be? Good or bad, it makes no difference to me. For you see, the only thing I want is out. I don't want to be here because if this is meant to be my home, then I would rather be homeless. And if this is meant to accomplish some great plan, then plan something else for someone else. I don't care. I'm just looking for my deliverance. And this isn't it. This right here is banishment. Exile. Do you ever feel like you've been banished by God? Sent out on an island all by yourself, trying to hold on to words where God says, I will never leave you, neither will I forsake you, and yet you feel forsaken, alone, exiled, trying to figure it out. And what you really want to ask is, God, what in the world are you doing? Makes no sense. Maybe that exile for you this morning might be in a situation with your marriage where you're trying to figure out how to move forward, but you keep coming up against a brick wall. Maybe that place of exile for you this moment, this morning might be in a, in a job that feels like it's going nowhere and you have no way out. Or maybe you've been looking for a job and every door that you try and go into seems to be closed on you. And you want to say, God, where are you? Exile. That place of in-between that feels like abandonment while we wait for advancement. That place of in-between that feels like destruction while we wait for deliverance. That place of in-between that feels like persecution while we wait for provision. That place of in-between that feels like isolation while we wait for increase. That place of in-between that feels like the desert while we wait for delight. That place of in-between that feels like pain while we wait for promise. That place of in-between where it feels like God has left us when he promised to be with us. Do you know what exile is like? Might you be there today? Here's the good news about the grace of God. If we are in that place, let's remember this. God often does his best transformational work in our places of exile. God often does his best work in our lives when we feel like we're out there all alone. A man by the name of Walter Brueggemann says it this way, exile is the place where God's faithful promise works a profound newness. Exile is the place where God, by his grace, 
reminds us that he is faithful. And if we can trust in him and trust in his faithfulness, there's something new that he wants to do in you and me in our places of exile. So the question that we have as we look at this topic today is this. What choices must I make to position myself for God's best work in me while I'm in exile? Let me say that again. What choices must I make to position myself for God's best work in me while I'm in exile? That place where God's faithfulness works a profound newness. And it brings us here to our passage, Jeremiah chapter 29. Let me just give you a quick backdrop of what's going on. The, the, the nation of Israel has been divided for a long time. Uh, Israel, the, 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 the northern kingdom, is no more. And Judah, the southern kingdom, has done everything except follow God. And God raises up this prophet by the name of Jeremiah, and he says to Jeremiah, you know what? I called you, and I ordained you in your mother's womb that you were going to speak for me. And the message that God gives him to speak is a hard word to a stiff-necked people to say to them, if you don't change your ways, I am going to take you into a place of exile. And God makes it very clear, they're not going to change their ways. I'm going to take them into a place of exile because I've got something that I want to do. Can you imagine being the kind of person who was raised up by God and God says, I'm going to give you a hard word. You're going to tell it to the people. They're not going to listen. They're going to go into exile and they're going to hate you. That doesn't feel too good to me. And yet God raised Jeremiah up for this place, for this time. And Jeremiah is faithful to give the word. Judah doesn't listen. They're brought into captivity. And they want out. They want out of, ba- of Babylon. They want out of this place of, ca- of, of captivity. And there's this prophet by the name of Hananiah who comes along and he says to them, you know what? God's going to bring you out of this place of exile. Don't worry. You're only going to be here for two years. Just sit back and endure it. It's going to be okay. He's going to do this. God's going to break, uh, break, break free. He's, God is a God of breakthrough. And he's going to break through on your behalf. You're going to be gone. And Jeremiah comes to Hananiah, pats him on the back, and just says, may God bring them out of their place of exile. But then he pulls them aside. He says, you know what? That wasn't God's word. God didn't tell you that they were going to be taken out of here in two years. God's got something different that he's going to do. And because you disobeyed God and because you gave your own word, your life is not going to be spared. And then Jeremiah writes a letter, and he sends it. To, uh, the, uh, the, to, to Judah as they are in exile. He says, let, let me just tell you exactly what it is that the Lord says. Let's look at the fullness of what the Lord says. And it's in that context that we come to this passage, Jeremiah chapter 29. For some of you, it's very familiar. For some of you, it might be new. But we want to look at it beginning at verse 4. I'm going to read it aloud and invite you to read along with me. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I've sent in exile to Jerusalem to, uh, from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare." 
For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come to, and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. I want to go back and just quickly read verses 10 and 11 again. And I want to take the word for and use the word because instead. Instead, Because we often look at that verse, verse 11, and we quote it, but we miss the full context of it. So, reading it together. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place because... I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So the question again, what choices must I make to position myself for God's best work in me while I'm in exile? We can learn from Judah's situation in Babylon. The first choice that I would make is this. Choose to embrace and engage rather than escape. Choose to embrace and engage what God is doing rather than trying to escape it. So here is the picture. Judah's brought into captivity. They want out. And they spend their time going from prophet to prophet to prophet, trying to get someone to give them a word that they want to hear that would sit well with their soul so they can feel like, okay, this is just for a, se- for a season. And they go from prophet to prophet. And here's what they do. Uh, what's God going to do? Is he going he's to deliver us? They imagine them hearing this. Yeah, he's going to do it, but it's going to take 70 years. You're not a prophet. I don't want to hear from you. I'll go over here. God, what are you going to do? I'm ready for deliverance. Here's your prophet. Do you have a word for me? Yes, I have a word for you. God will bring you out, but you're going to stay in Babylon for longer than you want to. You just need to, you're not a prophet. I don't want to hear from you. God, what are you doing? Finally, they come across someone who says, you know what? I can see it. It's clear as day. God is going to bring you through. God knows what to do. He's going to deliver you. It's going to happen in due season. And that season is right now. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. That's who I want to hear. That's the one I want to hear. That's the person I want to follow. And I'll follow that person because they're telling me everything that will tickle my ears rather than encouraging me to listen to what the Lord is saying. Have you been there? The hard season. And all you want is someone to tell you that God's going to take you out, going to bring you out. And God's saying, no, I'm the God who brings you through. So just listen. I know what I'm doing. I know the plans that I have. It would be a lot easier for you to escape the work that I'm doing in you rather than to embrace me and embrace the work that I'm doing in you. There are a lot of people who will tell you all of the nice things, 
But what God is saying is in this season, trust the work that I'm doing in you. Don't try and escape it. Engage it. Hold on to me and engage this season. A lot, of, a lot of people will say, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. And God's saying, get ready. Because I know what I'm doing. Well, the year was 2005. My wife and I were ministering in Pittsburgh uh, at a church there. We were uh, at a Bible camp up in New York State. I had gone into the tabernacle for the morning just to spend some time with the Lord. And as I was sitting before the Lord, I sensed him saying these words to me. I'm going to take your family back to New York. Give it a year. So I went back to the cabin we were staying in, shared it with my wife. It resonated with her. And um, uh, so we, we held on to that. About a week later, we were going to visit family for family vacation, and I grew up in New York, so here we are on Long Island visiting family, and I get it in my mind that while I'm here, I might as well look for the place God's taking me. So I start looking for all the churches that are going to be looking for pastors, and I start looking for all the churches that might need a staff member, and maybe it's this church, or maybe it's this place, and oh, well, maybe it's this place. I never thought about that. Maybe that's the place. I always liked living there, maybe, you know, and I'm, all this stuff is going on, and God said to me, Stop. I said, a year. Give it a year. But then he added this piece, and I want you to serve faithfully where you are as if you're never going to leave. Is there a prophet that's got a word for it? You know what I mean? That's what we do. We take God's promise. We determine how it must turn out. And then we jump ahead of God, missing that that season in between the word and the promise is God doing his work in us. Season of exile. Don't escape, don't escape it. Engage it. Let me read to you from uh, the message. It's a paraphrase by Eugene Peterson. Yes, believe it or not, this is the message of God of the angel armies, Israel's God. Don't let all those so-called preachers and know-it-alls who are all over the place there take you in with their lies. Don't pay any attention to the fantasies they keep coming up with to please you. There's a bu- there are a bunch of liars preaching lies and claiming I sent them. I never sent them. Believe me, God decrees. This is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon 70 years are up, and not a day before, I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Embrace it. Don't escape it. And this leads to the next thing. If I'm going to be position myself, and I'm going to choose in to the work that God is doing in me while I'm in this place of exile, I must choose to plant Build and bless rather than pout and bemoan. Plant, build, and bless rather than pout and bemoan. Can you imagine what it was like for Judah when they get this letter from Jeremiah? Man, I don't want this. This is not what I asked for. God says, I'm in this. This is my doing. I'm at work here. I am the faithful God who knows the plans that he has for you. So this is what I want you to do. Build your houses. Plant your fields. Marry off your sons and daughters. 
Live in this place as if you're never going to leave. Oh, and by the way, put your bottom lip back in. (laughs) Stop pouting. And this place that you hate, I want you to pray for its welfare. Because when they prosper, you prosper. One version says it this way. God says to them, pray for the peace and the prosperity of the city in which you find yourselves exiled. Because when they they are blessed, you too shall be blessed. Pray for this city. God, do you know what these people are like? Pray for this city. God, you know they brought us here in captivity. We're here against our will. Pray for this city. Yes, pray for this city. Pray that it would be blessed. Because when they're blessed, you're blessed. Now, I want you to imagine you're hearing this word, and you're at that age where you know you're coming to the end of your life. So you want me to plant and build and be a part of blessing a place that in, and hold on to a promise that I'm never going to see? And God's saying, yeah, because the work that you do now, it's not just about you. It's about the generations that come after you. This promise that God gave was not just a personal promise. It was a multi-generational promise. And what I'm doing here now is something that is going to benefit the generations to come. Now, what we do is we hear God saying, I'm at work, settle in, and we settle in. I'm not doing a thing. I ain't moving. I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to sit right here. You said plant, Lord. I'm planted. I'm staying right here. And I'm going to wait on you. And we expect God to be moved and say, God is a compassionate God. He will see my pouting and he'll do something. And God says, yeah. You'll wait on me? I'm going to wait on you. And when you stop pouting, we can get down to business. Friends, what God is doing in you in this place of exile is not just about you. It's not just about you. He's doing work in you, but it's not just about. God wants to form you and develop you and work through you, not only for his kingdom's sake, but for the sake of others. Can you engage what he's doing? Can you allow him to work through you? A man by the name of Bodie Bauckham was preaching at a conference that I went to a while back. He began to tell the story about the first house they bought, in, his family bought in uh, Dallas, Texas. And he described what it was like. The house itself was beautiful. The inside was great, but the, the outside was just barren. There was no, no yard work. That, I mean, there really was no yard. It was just dirt. And they had made arrangements with the landscaper. He said to his kids the night before, listen, you're going to go to bed, and when you wake up in the morning, there are going to be people here who are working, 
And at the end of the day, you're going to have this beautiful yard. He took them out and he walked them around and he showed them. Over here, you know, there's going to be grass everywhere. Over here is where your playground's going to be. Uh, it's, going to, it's going to be a beautiful yard and there are going to be trees. There are no trees now. When you see it tomorrow, there are going to be trees here. So the kids are all excited. They go to bed and they, they you know, wake up in the morning. And when they wake up, the shades are down in the house, but they can hear all of the work going on outside. And they're excited about what they're going to see at the end of the day. Well, the guys finish the work. The day is over. He takes his kids out and he has them by their hands. Their eyes are closed. And he takes them out in the yard. He says, I'm going to count to three. And then you can open your eyes. One, two, three. And they open their eyes. And the amazement. There's grass everywhere. They had no concept of what sod was, so, you know, made sense to them. Grass everywhere. The playground that was promised was there. This was beautiful. They're looking for the trees. And he says to them, here are the trees. And he starts pointing out the different trees. Well, the oldest son kind of looked at him and said, "Uh, Dad, you okay? Because I don't see trees. I see twigs. I can't climb these things. You said we'd have trees. And he looked at his son and he said these words. Son, the things we planted today will bring shade to the family that lives here later on. We won't always live in this house, but what we plant is for those who come after us. Engage it. Don't escape it. And while you're in this process, ask the Lord, how can I be a blessing to this place that I feel like, that feels like exile to me? Build your houses. Plant your fields. Marry off your sons and daughters. Seek the peace and the prosperity of this place. For when it prospers, you too will prosper. And then finally, choose to seriously seek him rather than bitterly blame him. Maybe another way of saying it is this. Choose to see his redemptive plan rather than settle for your rebellious plan. Here's the problem. Judah was going to everyone except God. Trying to find an answer. Judah was listening to everyone except God. Trying to find an answer. Now, I will tell you that I believe that God speaks prophetically through his people. But what we do is we take the person's word rather than taking it back to God and saying, God, are you in this? And what God was saying to Judah is, you know, you seek everyone, but I want you to seek me. You look for an answer, but I want you to look to me. Notice what he says. And again, I read from Eugene Peterson's The Message. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Our places of of exile are opportunities for us to draw closer to God. Our places of exile are opportunities for us to turn our attention and our focus on God. And when we come to a place that God himself is all that we want, when we come to the place where God himself is all that will satisfy, when we come to the place where God himself is all that we need, then we can see what God is doing. We quickly trust the answer. We quickly trust the promise. 
we quickly look to the outcome and God's saying, look to me. I will bring you through, but look to me. I know what I'm doing, but look to me. I am in the middle of this, but look to me. I know what the end will be, but look to me. I know the word that I have for you, but look to me. Don't look to the promise. Don't look to the provision. Don't look to the outcome. Look to me. Because when we look to him, here's what we see. That we have a faithful God who has always been faithful, who will always be faithful, because that is his character. That is his nature. Faithful is who he is. And he knows what he's doing. So look to him. Look to him. I find it very interesting that God used this prophet Jeremiah a man who was in a very difficult time, a man who was getting kicked back all over the place. To, uh, to, and we look at his uh, later writings in the book of Lamentations, which is really his grief, his grief journal, as he grieves how he's been rejected by the people. This same man that gave this hard word, who was now suffering because of the hard word that he gave, says these exact words, but this I call to mind, and in this I will have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I will say this of my soul. The Lord is my portion. And in this I will hope. He doesn't say I will say of my soul the Lord's promises are my portion. He says the Lord is my portion. And so, friends, I, I want to encourage you to engage God's best transformational work in you during this place of exile. Uh, choose to embrace and engage rather than escape. Choose to plant, build, and bless rather than pout and bemoan. Choose to seek the Lord rather than bitterly blame the Lord. I close with this question. Where is your place of exile today? Where is your place of exile Is it in that job that doesn't seem to be working out the way you thought it would? Is it in that in-between stage where you're struggling and you're trying to find an answer to put your marriage back together and you want to be on the same page? For those of you who are parents, is it in that place of your heart being wrenched because of a child that is not following Jesus? you're a college student, is it in that place where you came to school thinking this, and now all of a sudden God is showing you that? And you feel like, have I just wasted all this money? Where's your place of exile today? Know this, we have a faithful God. We have a faithful God. All of his promises are yes and amen. We can trust that his word is true. But in trusting that his word is true, let's just trust that he is true and faithful. And let's look to him.
I always think about David's words as he is waiting on God's deliverance where he says, I've waited patiently on the Lord, and he inclined unto me and he heard me. He brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the marry clay, and he placed my feet on a rock, and he established my going, and he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise unto my God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. I looked at the Lord. I waited on the Lord. I looked to him. He brought me through. And now because of the testimony of my waiting and looking to him, many others wait on him and look to him. He's a faithful God. I want to encourage you this morning. In your place of exile, trust his faithfulness. But more than that, trust him. Father of kindness, you have poured out your grace. You brought me out of darkness, you have filled me with peace. Giver of mercy, you're my help in time. Lord, I can help but sing. All your promises. 
promises because he is faithful. Trust in the faithful God. Engage what he's doing. Choose to be a blessing rather than pout and bemoan. And seek his face. Because he's faithful. His promises are yes and amen.